good, 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 good match show. Welcome to the Good Match Show, a show about matches both good and bad, but mostly good. So we venture through all 131 matches rated five stars or more by Uncle Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. We break down, analyze, and discuss all the happenings of the matches as well as the weekly ongoings in the modern wrestling world, which, as you know, is quite strange right now. So without further ado, let's get fucking weird. I'm Nello. I am Calvin Coolidge. It's not Calvin Coolidge. This is the second time we've recorded this, and you're still going to do that shtick. Yeah. So tonight I'm nobody, shooting live with well, former president fucking, Calvin Coolidge. Nobody fucking knew what I was saying before. <laughs> Only me and you do. They don't know if live it's Live on the show tonight, we have 1921 catch, catch wrestling grappler Calvin Coolidge, also hey. known as American president. Hello, it's me, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> I watched, and I have to do the same thing of, I, I watched Farmer watched, Burns. <laughs> I watched Bear Jack Russell wrestle a real bear and a Jack Russell. And then that segued us into the fact that there's a movie called Russell Madness about a Jack Russell that becomes a wrestler and beats John Morrison. He actually beats John Morrison, though? Yeah, so when a man inherits his grandfather's arena, he and his family try to restore the family wrestling business with the help of a talking money monkey and their star attraction, a wrestling dog. A talking monkey is also involved in this? Yeah, you have to look up the poster, like, right now. If That's you're listening to this, weird. please Google, just Google Russell Madness poster. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the monkey so and the odd. dog. Dude, I just think it would be so hard to direct a movie like that with all those animals. Like, obviously, you have trained animals and fucking people like that, but just having to rely so much on, like, God, I hope this dog fucking crosses to the left. Like that's how you make the movie. Yeah, I mean, I that's guess weird. like when you do like the CGI ones, like they've been doing like with like the Air Buddies, like fucking like Fuck Santa or whatever it is. Yeah, fuck. I, if you're gonna do an animal movie, you can't do it with CGI animals. It takes everything out of it. Well, that's what they were doing on some of those because like the dogs fucking talked and shit. Yeah, like little mouse are cool, but I don't like know. Stuart Little, you fuck with Stuart Little, but that's about it. Stuart was Stuart Little a real mouse? Which is a CGI mouth. It's a CGI. They dressed up the real mouse and taught him how to walk. Taught him how to drive a car. <laughs> I think, honestly, the reason why they stopped doing real animals is because so many were dying on sets, so maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, it's like if you ever look at the history of Milo and Otis, which I used to love that movie, they went through so oh, many no. animals. Oh, my God. <laughs> Life of Pi, too. And that movie's all about, like, take care of animals. And they're like, yo, we killed three tigers while making this. <laughs> One of them was just for fun. That's great. <laughs> one of them was just a test to see how a tiger died. <laughs> we wanted to make sure we didn't hurt the other one, so we killed this one. Yeah. Or they're just like wrapped up. It's like, guys, the tiger guy left last week, so. Yeah, well, we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, just put him in the fucking storage shed, see what happens, leave some water. The next filmmakers come into like the studio and it's just empty, but like a lone tiger roaming the fucking set. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Just like skinny, like, what the fuck? <laughs> How, how has oh, uh, isolation been treating you? Isolation. I had a turning point, I think, this past week and a half. Nice. As you know, I've had a fucking nightmare time. I think we both have, relatively. Oh, yeah. um, I got tested for COVID. I got fucking in and out of the hospital, which is not the time to be in the hospital. No. For like a severe allergic reaction. But they still can't tell me to what it is, which kind of sucks. But I, ho- I, hope I got tested like, for like not everything. intentionally not tell you like. Like, you got a guess, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, so what is it? They're like, we don't know. And I'm like, it's, when you say it like that, it makes it sound like you do know. Like a fucking envelope, we don't know. Yeah, they're dangling in front of me. They put it on They put it on top of the Titan Towers. I have to go to Stanford. <laughs> yeah, so that's fucking... really fucking weird is that you haven't been able to make it to Stanford, Connecticut yet. Yeah. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm like in the conference room and I grab it and the doctor's like, this is, this is the conference room. Your results are on the roof. And I'm like, fuck me. I'm so stupid. Nia Jax is still it. there. <laughs> yeah. Paul Heyman's still eating. Hell yeah. Um, but no, I switched. I switched medications to Lamictal, like I told you. And every single time I tell someone Lamictal, they get really happy because they're like, "That's what saved my life." So I'm very optimistic, and yeah. things have been a lot easier. Um, I will say this: I have a little thing on my wall, and it says how to stay above the lows. And it's like for me, I have to do these things every day, like meditation, at least ten minutes, breath work, some yoga, shit like that. And because that's the most for me. Exactly, and uh, the one that lives in my courtyard, and I find that—is that, that what you call your groin area, the courtyard? Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. let's have that's a dubious King, conversation. That's what King in the Corbin courtyard. calls his crotch, the courtyard. Dude, I don't want to come to the king's courtyard. I guarantee you, King Corbin does not have pubes. He's I mean, he completely... has a lot, but he has a fucking bush. No, 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 no. He just has hair on his beard. That's it. He doesn't even have hair on his chest. He's like an ugly Johnny Sins. <laughs> Is that bad that I know, like, the reference? <laughs> that guy's a renaissance yeah. man, though. He does it all. Like, he's a fucking plumber, a student, a teacher. Exactly. Has he ever been a wrestler? Because if so, I bet he could. Imagine if WWE was like, WWE announcing the signing of Rob Gronkowski and Johnny Sins. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that'd be funny. But I could actually let's find out. Hold on. Uh <laughs> Johnny Sins wrestling. I feel like he does a lot of wrestling, but it's not wearing clothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But uh I don't know. I've been playing Animal Crossing too. Well you're looking for that, I guess we'll continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Animal Crossing. I wrote a couple new movies. I just I financed a new feature at like fucking three thousand dollars only so i'm super pumped about that um that's like not expensive at all no that's like fucking pre-pandemic relief checks man yeah so i can finally say that my movies are government funded (laughs) (laughs) fuck no that's good damn it no johnny said okay so there was a a pornography that was with pornog yeah with uh china he that, did one with China? No, but it was like based on like wrestling, obviously. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's like all the people dress as the wrestlers. And I was seeing if I just was checking to see if he was in that. Ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. And he was not. Yeah, he played King Corbin. <laughs> he played King Corbin. Imagine Johnny Sims with that shitty King Corbin beard. You know what? I wouldn't be too mad. People would be like watching porn like he has that go away heat. Like <laughs> yeah, my boner just goes away. People yeah, people in the Pornhub comments are like, man, this guy's work rate is shit. Just... <laughs> oh, he gets blown um... up so quick. <laughs> Fuck. There's a Lars Sullivan joke in there somewhere that I, I refuse to make. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, oh, boy. Apparently, he's still with the company. He hasn't been released. I wonder what the... I, I wonder if they're just going to let it ride it out. And they're just like, we're not going to fire you. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to... Well, I don't think you can legally fire someone for doing porn. That's the thing. 
Well, I mean, technically, if there's a code of conduct in there and you're supposed to disclose your your personal history. Ah, that's right. That'd be the only way. But I don't think they just want, like, well, fuck. I mean, who knows? I don't think they care about bad press right now. <laughs> that's true. They don't care. Well, Pretty well, soon it's just going to be. Well, it's the be... shitty thing is in this, just this day and age as far as with bad press. The like news cycle is so quick. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what it's like when John Oliver did that whole story. You would think like 10 years ago that would have led to probably a wrestler's union or something. And this one, it was like he keeps going after him and nothing fucking changes. Well, this last one wasn't that big of them going like, as much. I didn't watch the last one, but he went like UFC and WWE. Yeah, yeah the, the one with the insurance yeah. and shit, that one's the worst one. Like that was a... Yeah. Uh, how have you been? How are you doing? Oh, fuck. Not good. Not bad. I'm yeah. here. Hanging out, you know? Play. How are you spending your days? Um, If I'm at work, I'm fucking talking to dumbasses about their, <laughs> about their internet and why they feel that they're getting charged 20 cents too much. Are you uh, are you still working from home at least? Yeah, that's not bad. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Um, If I'm not working, I usually, I don't know, hang out, play video games. I've been playing Streets of Rage. Oh, is that the new one? Yeah. How is it? It's fun. It's fun as hell. Yeah. Did you get, you got you got the Xbox Game Pass, right? Yeah, I got Xbox Game Pass. Dude, it's so fucked. Like, that is worth buying the Xbox alone, I think. Because PlayStation has, like, PlayStation Now. But all this stuff is, like, you stream it so it doesn't play really well. Oh, yeah, you have to fucking like, download these fuckers even though you don't own them. Exactly. And that's what I like about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Video games have been such a saving grace for me in this time. Yeah, and then I'm teaching Jenna how to play bass, so I've been doing that a lot. That's true. I remember you posted a picture. It was, like, learning Deftone songs. Hell, yeah. That was pretty cool. And then, yeah, just just living life. Yeah, you got to. Uh, you said you got to Oregon this past week, so that rules. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. yeah, gotta pick up little little grain. Gotta pick up some gimmicks. Gotta pick up some. You gotta go pick up some marijuana and Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull <laughs> Session IPAs. I had to go pick up some Four Loko seltzers. Imagine, I remember when Four Loko first like got taken off shelves. And my friends drove down to Portland to buy, like, the last of the real shit. Oh, and dear. They were selling it at parties for, like, a lot of money. I, I didn't, like, sell Four Loko. I just went and bought some for myself. <laughs> One time I was at the gas station that I actually live by now. I've lived, like, in the kind of the same area of Boise for, like, ten years. That's nice. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. Um, And the reps for Juice were there. And they used to have this thing. It was it was called like El, the El Jefe and it was like a fucking 32 ounce like grape like four loco type thing like 12% alcohol but it was like 250 and dude. I walk in there and like I grab one because I'm just a garbage person and like dude you like those I'm like yeah they're like let's buy a couple more we're, we're reps I'm like fuck yeah I'm about <laughs> to black out tonight <laughs> and then I they, um, they had a drink called the El Jefe to the place here a mill Tempe, Arizona, for any of those that might know of the horrible nature of that place. And it was like 151 Everclear and strawberry juice. Strawberry <laughs> juice, huh? So, yeah. So I'm like, oh, could I have some more strawberry juice with my Everclear and 151, please? <laughs> I want to put something more acidic. I remember the one night we um, 
It was after Bumbershoot, so I think I'd just seen like Explosions in the Sky and a couple other bands. And I went to buy Molly in like a fast food restaurant bathroom. I just walked into this fucking fast food restaurant, Dicks. And I was like, who has Molly? And then this one guy was like, looked at me and kind of motioned to the bathroom. And so I just walked into a restaurant. I was like, who has drugs? And I went and I bought it. And it turned out to be fake because I went to another bar. And this girl was there. She was an alcohol rep. She's like, yeah, my tab's $100. So me and my friend just ordered $50 worth of shots and just fucking killed the tab. Oh, and we're yeah. like, thank you so much. And we just went down to the next one. And it was like a tornado. It was truly, like, it's so good that I don't drink anymore. Was the, was the Molly just like meth or was it just like not anything? No, it was just a placebo. It's fake. Oh, that sucks. So I know, I know I some found, people are fucking like, well, like cut it with meth and shit. And then you're just uh, not in good times. Oh, yeah. Or no, or it's really fun times depending on how much of a piece of shit you are. So. <laughs> Sometimes I remember back in the day, someone would like snort a toot ski. They'd be like, "Oh, this is kind of messy." And I'm like, "Why are we like pumped about that, man? Like, we need to fucking chill. We need to pump the brakes." Um, God, I'm trying to think of just how to segue into these really sad stories. I don't know. Uh, I got I was something about to say. Uh... Speaking of pumping the brakes, I don't know what to say. So um, before we pump the brakes, what's kind of funny about somebody selling you like fake Molly is that. Uh... One of my friends, friends of this friend of the show. I'm not gonna disclose his name. You know him. I know him. Um, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, he said in college he knew somebody that was selling the proxim to like freshmen, and all that is is a leave. But like he was selling it as like a painkiller. <laughs> like y'all got it, and he just had like a giant tub from Costco and was selling it like four bucks a shot. Oh my god. That's like what no, we like, used I to haven't sell. had a headache for twelve hours. This is great. We used to sell like just dirt ass weed to like younger kids in high school when we were in high school too. So we'd be like last week. showing a freshman. <laughs> yeah, last week. I'm only eighteen doing this show on my own, so please so please subscribe to our Patreon because it's hard to enter the workforce right now for me, a young graduating high school student. Oh no, no, no. You're not in high school like or eighteen. It's just you sold weed there. I, you just sold kids <laughs> weed. High yeah. school kids weed yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. And um, no, I'm a high school kid too. And uh, we would be like, yeah, man, this is like that hydro. And then like the kids would come back two days later and be like, yo, man, I'm still fucking high from that shit. And I'm like, oh, man, that's nothing. Like it was just funny, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, I'm definitely, I'm guilty of that too, of taking something and being like, oh, I'm fucked up. But I'm just totally fine or convincing myself of it. So, um, God. What else? I'm trying to think. I uh, Yesterday, Domino's accidentally delivered $50 worth of pizza to my house. Did you take it? Yeah, but I was like, because, you know, my brain's all fucked up. In my head, I was like, what if someone left this here to poison me? So I had to call the Domino's in my neighborhood and be like, hey, I just received this order. They're like, oh, that was just a bad address. Enjoy it. And I was like, okay, cool. It's clean. And then does, I ate did it. Did somebody just like, like, I don't know. That's weird. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Is it like I don't a, know, like, is it like a fake prank? Like somebody doesn't know. Who knows? To, somebody doesn't know how to prank anybody, so they're just like, uh. They're just like, oh, fuck it, I'll just leave him a bunch of food. Yeah. Uh, that'll get him. <laughs> Got him. Because then he'll get, he's going to get full and get tired and fall asleep and forget to call his partner. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, and then they're going to get me. Fight, and then he's going to take a dump. Yeah, it's the most subtle way of r- ruining my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> This guy just keeps leaving pizzas and I keep falling asleep and forgetting to do things for my family. Like, um, what the fuck? What are you eating all this fucking random pizza? 
fuck. Owen Hart, Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, fuck. How's that for a segue? Who needs a segue? Who needs a segue when you can just hard left? Yeah, might as well. Um, it was um, a uh, it was a rough one. Yeah, it was so. From this season, I watched Herb Abrams, mm-hmm. uh, Brawl for All. What yeah. was the fucking the Dino Bravo? Yes, and then Owen Hart. So I didn't watch the Benoit one, but I have the assumption that the Owen Hart and the Chris Benoit ones were probably the most emotional and devastating, but in completely different ways. Yes. Okay. That's what it felt like to me. It was so it's, it's just completely different kind of how devastating they are. Um, Cause like the Chris Benoit one, like you feel for, you know, everybody around him, but like at the end of the day, it's like, these are the actions that he did. It was the Owen Hart one. It's like, you feel for everybody around him, and then you feel for him, like this dude that was just providing for his family, doing like you know his family business, but then kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and just trying to just get by. Like ends up fucking falling to his death, you know? Yeah, they. I think they use like every piece of footage that they could have home video footage of him being like, "I'm just gonna leave it all behind and start a family and live my life." And they they had like so many clips of him saying that, yeah. and each one just felt heavier and more sad. Um, it was really fucking cool to see Martha talk about it, and like I had no idea she was a doctor. I know nothing about Martha Hart until what I've just seen. Like, yeah, she is such a fucking badass. Um. And just impressive person. And, you know, I think it's awesome that from this episode of television, now we've gotten Martha sort of slowly re-entering the wrestling world. We've got the first ever official Owen Hart merch from Pro Wrestling Tees. So cool things like that, I think, are um, nice that Owen is back in the... Because I feel like whenever Owen is brought up in the sort of the social consciousness of wrestling, it's always... Oh, we want Owen in the Hall of Fame or it's something negative regarding him. Like, why can't Owen be like this or that, right? And it's like, now it feels like he's finally being talked about again and like wrestling and it's a positive thing and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and it needs to be. Like, I was a big fan of all the Hearts growing up and I loved Owen Hart. Um, even though I was like a big Bret Hart fan, I was just like, he's he's really good. It just, he shouldn't be mean to Bret. Um so it was. Oh my god! It's, it's been it was pictures like, of Little Owen. Oh yeah, he had the same like face. It was always funny. Yeah, yeah. It's it was just a very interesting look because I've I've definitely like listened to a lot of stuff and Brett's talked about it at length and um, listened to like Jericho do like other podcasts with that um, and I've just uh, like so like I kind of already knew a lot of what was going on and like the 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 court battle and everything like that. And so, which is kind of like really weird. It's like something that the dark side of the ring, which I understand they're not necessarily going to cater to maybe as extreme of a fan, especially of like certain guys, but like the snooker stuff, like I already knew about all the Vince shit with it. And like this, yeah, so, I already knew about like the whole, like, um, the trial, any revelations like that. that you had watching this episode for me, the one was, I didn't realize how small the fucking clip was. Yeah, it was the 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 actual seeing clip. the clip was like the big revelation for me because that really put into perspective how little thought went into Owen's safety and well being. 
Yeah. And it, it just seemed completely indefensible at that point. Yeah. I, Not I, even saying that it ever was, but, you know. Like, because I was telling, I was talking to Jenna about it today. It's like, I could understand if they had the top team and they made sure he was confident with it and tried it a million times and they had the best equipment they could and it was just like equipment failure or something like that where it's like you can't, like they took every precaution and if Owen was okay with it and not like they pushed it on him, but it was like a, hey, like, you know, I'm, no, I'm cool to do this. Let's do this. Let's make this cool, blah, blah, blah. And like he's on board and there's an equipment failure. I can understand, you know what? They did everything they could in their power to make this stunt look cool and equipment failure happened. Something went wrong. But when it's something like this, where they have a clip that's like six pounds of force can open it. Um, it's not necessarily meant for people. It's meant for a sailboat. It's like, okay, yep. like, what are you doing? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. But um, Dark Side of the Ring this season was just awesome. I'm really, really excited to see what... They're definitely coming back for another season. I think that because they consistently broke records on Vice... So good for them. Yeah. Uh, what um, kind of stories would you want to see on there? Because I thought these ones were fine. Like, the Herb Abrams one was just like, it's just about some fucking stupid money mark that, like, tragically passed away, but it was like yeah. it's all fucking false. I, I like, so I think that every, for every Owen Hart and for every Chris Benoit, you need a Brawl for All or Herb Abrams because I feel like you have, like, the real tragedies, and then they kind of need to be balanced with just the sort of pure carny fucking insanity of wrestling, I think, too, which is nice. I thought probably the most useless, ep- or I shouldn't say useless episode, but, like, the most kind of, like, this isn't, like, impactful, I guess, or, like, what you would expect from, like, a documentary, and like, investigative documentary series was probably the Road, the Road Warriors one seemed, like, the most yeah. sort of just, okay, yeah, this is, like, wrestling. Yeah, this just, isn't that dark. It felt, well, wrestling's pretty fucking dark. Uh-huh. Um... But no, um, the Road Warriors one just felt like a weird biography with like a, like a leading of don't do drugs like Hawk did. I think the big one that they need to do is fucking Ricky Dozan. Ricky Dozan would be a good one, but I mean, because Ricky Dozan was murdered by the yakuza. Yeah, when they fucking yeah. So, but I the, mean, there's a lot there the, too. The thing is, is that that's not gonna um, pull in a lot of people that watched during like the golden era or like. Yeah, but I mean, so the attitude era and stuff. I think that, but like, so even the Herb Abrams episode did the second best rating for the show. I think that it's just there's such a general interest in the show that it's not just hardcore wrestling fans. It's just like television people watching. Well, no, that's why something like in the Golden Era or like, oh yeah, and like the Attitude Era is gonna draw a little bit more, like the casual non wrestling fan because. Like, somebody like me and you would be like, oh, fucking Ricky Dozy and shit. Let's check this out. Whereas somebody who knew Stone Cold in the 90s and like, oh, like, oh I remember the Owen Hart thing. Or, oh, those painted guys. I used to love them as a kid. Like, yeah, it's easier to tune in there, you know. I, re- I mean, someone said plane ride from hell. I don't really think you could sustain a whole episode out of that. I <laughs> think it would be cool to have like a – what I would like to see them do is do almost like what during the off season, like – maybe five to ten webisodes that are just like five to ten minutes each on like smaller things right like katie vick or something like that where it's like not an entire episode but this is still cool to cover and be like what the fuck happened here i think you could do one on the plane ride from hell but what you would have to do is you would have to start like kind of like in 2000 like where scott hall just fucking falling off the wagon 
like the wheels are starting to come off in wrestling popularity and then that's the peak is the fucking plane ride from hell and then like the like it fucking costs like Kurt Hennig's job and fucking Michael Hayes got his eyebrows shaved off and Ric Flair was naked it's <laughs> crazy I don't know what about you are there any stories that you want to see that you're off the top of your head um I mean they've done the Von Erichs which was always a big one they did that in the first season I mean it's kind of tough with uh Terry Gordy would be a fucking good one too because he died on a fucking airplane going to wrestle for Air All Japan and then he died again. Like this dude died twice on airplanes. And he was like he fucking they like gave him a monkey or a chicken once or something and he choked it to death not realizing it too just like the Von Eric yeah. or some shit. So like Terry Gordy would be a weird one or a cool one cuz he started when he was super young and became one of the most popular in the world. So I feel like that would be interesting. Miracle Violence Connection. Who else, man? I I would like to see one just on, like, deathmatch wrestling. Yeah, I mean, like, they did that documentary. Well, yeah, but then it's like, I mean, think, like, what I want to see is, like, the impli- like the long-term effects of deathmatch wrestling because, for instance, like, Justice Payne, who committed suicide this past year, like, yeah. like obviously... Like when I'm when I'm doing I'm doing these GCW rewinds right now. Half these guys are either dead or they look like they've aged twenty fucking years. In yeah, the past I mean, five. especially then you have guys like, like tried acid and shit like that, like from CZW. Exactly, and it's like every time that you mention these deathmatch legends, maybe one of them is alive. And I feel like so an episode on kind of just like what makes you, what possesses you to do this, and like you know, I don't know. I would like that's just something I'd be fascinated in because I really am like you look at the Matthew Justices and the Nick Gages of today and like the Jimmy Lloyds and it's like, how long will these people's careers be even though I enjoy them so much? But, yeah. Ooh, they could do one on... Fuck, I just had it in my head and I just forgot. Never mind. Oh, no, no, no. I got it now. The list. The fucking list. Oh, like the crazy angel fire list? Yes. Where it's like five... Where it's like... Macho Man had a fuckboy backstage that he'd walk around on all fours. Or just like... Yeah. Roddy Piper, had, Roddy Piper had a manservant or something like that. Yeah, go to the fucking list. That's what we need. That's just... So many... I think that the hard thing that they have too, though, is that they get good interview subjects. And if we learned anything from this season, it's that The Godfather and Tilo Brown have been through a serious amount of shit. Yeah, they have. Um, <laughs> But, uh, sorry, you got hiccups. Oh, you're all right. Uh, um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all um, right. Shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, that's Dark Side of the Ring. Anything else you wanted to comment on that? No. Um, and then we had, I, I don't really want to jump into him because it's really sad to me, but the passing of Shad Gaspard, as well as 411 Mania's Larry Kasanka, both are very tragic. And it's just, I like, I'm so goddamn empathic that, like, I just feel those situations so intensely. And, man, the Shad one broke my heart. Yeah, um, the Shad one was very sad. Um, we went out looking out for a son, which was, which was great. It's, it's fucking heartbreaking and heartwarming, you know, at the same time. Yeah. So... Our, our hearts go out to those families. I don't really know what to say. Like, no one's listening to this podcast, and I'm like trying to do a eulogy i don't know what to say now i just feel awkward but a very sad situation um pivoting slightly we're now going to go to ufc on espn numero eight 
So the number eight UFC on ESPN. Um, I only saw three matches, so I was just going to go through those. And if you want to bring up any other matches, feel free to. Okay. Um, Nate Landerwer uh, defeats Darren Elkins via decision. This is a fucking bloodbath. It ruled. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was I was cooking during that fight. I liked um, I liked how much each guy taunted and shit talked to the other. Is they're both just like like Elkins is just bleeding from every fucking orifice in his face, and he's just like, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> it's cool you can hear that shit now too. With no fans, like I don't mind the UFC with no fans. No, I really I prefer the UFC with no fans, honestly, because like for instance. Sometimes you get those stoppages and the fans just flip shit and boo them. And, like, that shit's just so disrespectful to the yeah. fighters and, like, everyone involved, really. Because it's like, okay, if you were in this fucking octagon, I'm pretty sure that you'd want the ref to call it. Even though you might subconsciously not want to. But anyway. Yeah. Then I, I saw the two the two main events. Claudia Gadella defeating Angela Hill. I thought Angela Hill had this one won. So did I. That was a little so, weird. And she, she even said, like, fuck that when it first ended. So, yeah, that one was weird. Yeah, it wasn't... And then... It, that was a bad call. Like, Claudia Gedalia, I thought, was not at her peak, so... She got the W. That's why you gotta finish the fight, so let them get to the cards, because... Shit like this can't end, will happen. Yeah. And uh, the next fight definitely did have a definitive ending. Alistair Overeem defeating Walt Harris by knockout in round two, three Oof. minutes. So, round one, got, uh, Walt Harris fucking bringing... Dude, and he had it, and then he tripped. He had it, and then I thought I thought there should have been uh, some a stoppage there. Really? Yeah, with Walt Harris, like Walt Harris, should, like I th- for that time, Elsa Overeem was getting hurt. Walt, yeah, Walt Harris, like it should have stopped. I think like, it seemed like he slowed down just a skosh. So it was either he was uh, just getting gassed out, which may be the case, or. Like, he thought it was going to be stopped, so. Ah, uh, yeah. It was just unfortunate, but I, I really liked the post-fight with Overeem walking over to him immediately and saying, let's train together. Yeah. Overeem just seems like one of the best dudes. Because what's fun for me is that, you know, for the listeners who don't know, Eastside's super fucking well-versed in UFC. I've just sort of begun my journey. I started my journey with UFC 248, actually. The, um, 269. Yedra, nice. Yedra Jacek versus uh, Wei Li. So that was fucking awesome. And um, so, yeah, it, it's really exciting to learn about people like Overeem where it's like when he lost to, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but then after losing, he went to train with him. And I was like, that's badass. That's like real warrior shit right that's there. Daniel Bryan Drew Gulak. Yeah, rest in peace to Drew Gulak. He's probably going to um, come back. Hopefully. Um, so that's it. Anything else for ESPN? Uh, no, I mean, uh, it was like the last week of shows has been really fun, so I've just been happy there's been yeah. shit on. Yeah, the next one is March th- or May 30th, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Sure. That. So that's nice. We got something this Saturday to the next Saturday. Um, I'm going to jump through Japan real quick. There's not a lot, and then I'll just cover the other wrestling promotion that's still active in America, which is Impact. Um, so Arisa Hoshiki from Stardom Wrestling has, or World of Stardom Wrestling is retired due to neck and head injuries and has relinquished the Wonder of Stardom title. So her reign ends at 370 days. This sucks so much. She was probably my number one women's wrestler in the world. Um, 
her match against Tam Nakano from last year, it, I want to say like Shining Stars, Shining Gold Stars or whatever, that is still one of my all-time favorite women's matches. Um, she was one of the best storytellers. She reminded me so much of a person like Okada or Tanahashi, really, where they can play heel, face, tweener, whatever the fuck, and they just absolutely play it with like effortless ease. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure she had already retired once, and then Mayu re- convinced her to return, and then she... Um, what was it? She she came back and then she had to retire again. So that just sucks. Um, also, in terms of Shad Gaspard, I also want to say that Dave Meltzer had a really sort of just great story about him and everything he did too on the Wrestling Observer Radio. Oh, it was about the uh, when he stopped the fucking armed robbery. Yeah, the armed robbery. His story with King Mo too. Oh yeah. Just it was. I thought it was a very interesting perspective to gain on a person who we maybe didn't know that much about. Um, so yeah, that's stardom in all Japan on May 16th. There was a okay show. The main event was Susumu Yokosuka versus Hikaru Sato for the junior heavyweight championship. So that was pretty much the only match of note coming out of Japan this week for anyone that's interested. And then over in impact wrestling, we currently have a number one contender tournament for the impact world rest, uh, world title. Because Tessa Blanchard is stuck in Mexico currently. So does that mean that Phoenix does not live in Mexico? Something like is that. Is he a California guy? Because Pentagon has not come back yet, but Phoenix has. He may, like, maybe, I don't know. I, I so have it, no I, idea. it makes sense if he's a California guy because the California guys have just now come back as well. Yeah. So, but then no one from Mexico or Canada or any other country has been able to come so far. So, um, Let's see here. Yeah, so real quick, I'll break down the tournament. Trey Miguel, these are the quarterfinal matches. So Trey Miguel defeated Rohit Raju. Michael Elgin defeated Sammy Callahan in an upset. Ace Austin filled in for Ken Shamrock and defeated Rhino. And Hernandez defeated Madman Fulton in what was the match of the year. No, it's not. <laughs> um, Hernandez is like is weird. So now, Isn't that wild? It's I don't know what he's doing back there, but okay. I mean, what um, else is he gonna fucking do? That's true. Now, who's signing Hernandez? Um, no offense, he <laughs> punch my face right in. But so our semifinals are Trey Miguel versus Michael Elgin and Ace Austin versus Hernandez. So it's two sort of David Goliath matches. Um, I'm hoping that the finals go to a Trey Miguel Ace Austin. Because we had a little program like that um, last year, actually. A little multi-month feud for the X Division title between them that involved Trey Miguel's hot mom and Ace Austin flirting with her. Oh, yeah. So, um, but I think that would be the most interesting final. It would be a really good match. Plus, I think, really I think, the, I think Elgin. hasn't this already been decided? Like, isn't... I have no clue. I, think so. I don't think it's been decided already. I think this has already been taped. Oh, if there's taping spoilers, I haven't read them. Oh, so I thought I read that somebody was the champion. That wasn't Tessa. But I don't want... Oh, Moose. Moose. Yeah. Moose has his own world championship that he's defending now on shows. Uh, the TNA title. Um, yeah. Oh, the TNA world championship. Yeah, maybe... Or it might be, I just, his, I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, I wish Moose wasn't like a real, shit person. 
Yeah, I remember he was like really popular in Ring of Honor, and then he went to Impact, and then all that shit came out about him, and I was just like, "All right, I'm kind of good on this." Well, Impact really feels like the weirdest place. They, like, he was gonna sign with WWE, I was pretty sure, but like, he has a bit of a history with some shit. Yeah, to say the least. Um, what do you want to do? You want to do the shows from this past week, and then Double or Nothing preview? Or the, I guess we should do the double nothing preview at the end. Or we can let's just we can hit up the the big match and then end it with the double or nothing. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do that. Um, so real quick, we're just gonna blow through SmackDown and Raw because really, whatever. Um, Elias defeating Bear Cor- Baron Corbin in sixteen minutes. That to Thoughts? me was the best possible outcome. So whatever they do, I don't give a fuck because Corbin's not winning. Yep. Uh, Dana Brooke defeats Naomi. Like two minutes. <laughs> Daniel Bryan defeats Drew Gulak in what may be Drew Gulak's final WWE match for the current time being. Yeah, we'll never know, but it was a well, we will know. Um, we don't know right now, but it was really fun. Yeah, I haven't. I, I didn't. I don't watch SmackDown anymore, so I just read the results. Would you say that this is a match worth seeking out? Oh yeah. Would you say that this is a good match? I would say it's a good match. Cha-ching! Good match show. Mm, signing off. <laughs> Signing off. Goodbye. <laughs> well, we found a good match, so that's it for us tonight. So, <laughs> why do you sound like, um, like, then, like a fucking like in the nineteen twenties? We found a good match. So. Oh, because hey there, everyone. We're gonna auction off this right now. Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. Okay then. Goodbye. Right. Salutations. Good match. It's fun to talk like that. Is it? Braun Strowman and Otis defeating John Morrison and The Miz. It was whatever. Just kind of putting a little geek with- of the week. Who? John Morrison. Nice nah, fun. <laughs> I just, man, he could be a contender for the title right now. And I wish he was. Yeah, but... Also, it just feels so weird to me that Morrison's doing the job and Otis is the money in the paint briefcase. It's bizarre world, Maggle! It's bizarre world. They're cheering who they should... They're booing who they should cheer. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because that's literally just like the fake news shit, right? Where he's just like, that's... That's how Trump learned to just feed shit. It's just by watching Vince's shows. It's like, they're like trying to gaslight us, actually. Vince is like, when they don't fucking agree, you just convince them that they're crazy. Well, it's because <laughs> it happened a couple times, like, legit, where, like, Canada did some, like, a turn on somebody. Or, like, the right after WrestleMania, because it's all the international smarky-ass people, but kind of get, yeah. like, kind of turn on people. It's like, I understand it there. But then, like, when it's, like, every week, it's not Bizarre World anymore. That's just the world. Yeah. <laughs> we do live in Bizarre World, though. Yeah, Monday own. Night Raw. Murphy defeating Umberto Carrillo in two minutes. Of, that was only two minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, didn't they, like, wasn't there some shit, like, fuckery in that finish? Yeah, yeah. it was Rollins. Yeah, um, is. Charlotte Flair defeating Ruby Riot, And Charlotte Flair is still a baby face some fucking how. Yeah, fuck. Who knows? Uh, Bobby Lashley defeating R-Truth again for the fifth time, selecting himself as the number one contender for the WWE Championship somehow. Imagine if everyone that beat R-Truth just became a contender for the WWE Championship. I will say, though, that with this whole thing, this is the best they've booked Bobby Lashley since he's come back. Oh, I completely agree. I guess I just wish that we would have got to see him in real matches before this title match. Is like I would have liked to see what he can really do, and I I have faith that his match with Drew will be good. I think but, it's, um, it was that was supposed to be the gauntlet match where he didn't lose; he just went through everybody, killed them. Titus O'Neil was there for some reason. 
Yeah, but they were still squashes. Like, I want to see him have, like, a 10-minute match against someone and, like, yeah. actually win. Yeah, no, no um, there's that. It's just, like, they want to build, like, they got to build the monster quick for Drew to slay. That's what Vince exactly. knows that that's, like, that's what gets over baby faces. That's what he knows, so that's what he goes back to. I was pumped, though. I predicted Lashley would be the next, so I'm stoked about that in my Stone Summer Prediction Series, which I went 0 for 3, like, two years ago. Oh, yeah. I think when it was, like... um I said that Proud and Powerful would debut after it take over, that Chris Hero would fight Walter for the world champ for the UK championship, and there's like one other, and I was just so fucking wrong on all three of them. Um, so I think that they're gonna do Bobby Lashley this month, and I'm also really happy that they're doing one offs like New Japan because we don't need multi month. You really don't need a multi month feud for this title or any title unless it really requires it, and I feel like WWE with their Booking like like AJ Styles, he was champion for a year and only fought like three fucking people. Yeah, and like sometimes and like that I, works, and but right now with like how the shows are going with the no fans and just like select roster, keep it fresh, keep it fresh. Yeah, and with Drew like with the new as the first time world champion, like book him well, like get, get him some yeah. big wins, get him a win against somebody that looks like Lashley that like. They've been putting over for the last like month as like, oh, this guy's fucking refocused, you know? So I'm gonna make two more bold predictions here real quick. After Lashley, McIntyre's next opponent will be Jinder Mahal. So Jinder he Mahal will fight Jinder. I know, and I think that they're that I think that Drew so I think that Jinder Mahal can do like he can pick up some wins and then Drew will give him the opportunity. I don't know, because then it'd be a babyface versus babyface match. I think they could pull it off, though, just because of the history there. And then... Um, I don't think Ginger Because can. that would be... I don't know. I mean, it's not something I'm clamoring for, but that's just where I saw it, because they brought it back and Ginger mentioned Drew. And then that would be Extreme Rules. And then after that, it's SummerSlam, and I think that they'll give Drew maybe Styles or who the fuck knows it's SummerSlam. Maybe Lesnar Part 2, because Vince is really hoping to have an audience. Yeah. So maybe that would make sense. Um. Yeah. Then we had uh, Twisted Bliss defeating the Iconics via DQ in two minutes and forty five seconds. How pumped are you back that the I Iconics are back? Yeah, it's it's happening. <laughs> you know, God bless them. Um, I'll listen, I'll listen to them on the New Day podcast. They're very nice. They sound like they're very fun people. Nice people. I'm sure if we hung out, we'd all have a great time. Me and you, Billy Payton, hanging out. Okay, this is a fun time, you know. Ribbon Hideo Itami. Yeah, just just fucking watching some <laughs> dumb YouTube videos, you know, watching old Vine compilations. Last night I got stoned before bed and I put on a pyramid walking tour, four K, sixty FPS, and it was just like this dude walking with his cell phone. It's like the actual pyramids, <laughs> and I was like, This is so sick. I've been watching old Picked Vine up my controller. Oh, those are the best. Yeah, um, Shayna Baszler defeats Natalia in three minutes and forty five seconds. Man, every single match on this show was under th- four three minutes, pretty much, with the exception of that and the main ski. I really liked and, though, that that three minute submission match because it like it was just like different. It was fun. Yeah, but like Ke- Apollo Cruz and Kevin Owens defeated Andrade and Angel Garza, two minutes and fifty seconds. I would have liked to seen that gone longer. Yeah, I will say this is the most. Um, Charisma that Apollo Cruz has ever shown. 
Apollo Crews looks fucking great lately. Owens really built him up well with his promo. And then he came out awesome. and like actually had like a bit of a personality besides like happy to exactly. be here. Exactly. It's like he was exactly. aggressive. Like, like he that. was showing different emotions. I was like, it took Seems five like he's, years this guy's and he's been frustrated. Um, Austin Theory defects from the group that never got a fucking name. So, so Zelina Vega into... and her associates. <laughs> yeah. Alistair Black defeating Murphy via via DQ because uh, Austin Theory and Seth Rollins and Murphy. And then the main event of the evening, Drew McIntyre defeating King Corbin. Oh, and then we had a fucking Edge and Randy Orton promo opening the show. That was so Where they good. keep saying that it's good, but they keep saying we're going to have the greatest wrestling match of all time. And it's like this fucking brand connection rule where it's like, it's classic WWE show where they're like, a, a superstar can go four times and it's like, you don't have to make that rule. You don't have to make anything. You can just fucking say this and just have it work for you. But you're going to write yourself in a corner and it's like, so if they don't have the best wrestling match of all time, it's going to be a letdown for me. You know they're not going to have a Okada Kenny <laughs> Omega match. So if, Who knows? If, if you're let down by that, that's your fault. <laughs> but they, for all intents and purposes, should have, if you think about on paper, if you think about who these guys are in their history, they should have a very good wrestling match. And if it's not, I'm hoping. And if it's not that very they, I good, think what, then they fucked up. Yeah, I think that what they're trying to do is make up for their mania match. I think so too. <laughs> and they're trying to be like, look, all right, so we can actually do this. Um, watch this. Did shit. you watch AEW or NXT tonight? Uh, I flipped. You flipped? Okay, I did too. So maybe we'll catch the same stuff. So I started with NXT. The show opened with Karrion Cross, who I am sold the fuck on. I am all in on Karrion Cross. I hope he takes the title off of Cole. Um, he's the have, only did you ever person. watch him as Killer Cross, like in Mexico or Impact or anything? Yeah. Yeah, really fucking good. And like, he's just, he, him and Scarlett feel like fucking stars. They, I mean, the first time he debuted with that song, I think I texted you. I texted my other friend Jordan. So shout out, shout out to Jordan, and also the group chat: Kev, Walt, Charlie, Wendy, Jenna, Mike, and Mike. Is that everyone? Mike and Mike in the morning. Mike and Mike. Um, but like right when he debuted in this, the fucking entrance, I just said, "This is who's taking the title off Cole." It, I can't imagine anyone else. It needs to be. It's gonna be fucking Dexter Lumis. That'd be funny. I think. <laughs> I, so, yeah, uh, we got Cole going into In Your House. Do you think it's going to be a Velveteen Dream, Dexter Loomis three-way? I think it's just going to be a one-on-one. And then I think, like, Velveteen Dream and Loomis are going to go off and do a, a feud. Tag team? Uh, no, a feud together. Feud? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and then I'm hoping that then at the next takeover, probably SummerSlam. Either that or Dream's just going to be kind of going for a while. Yeah. No, and I think that... Dream's return has really been disappointing, he, just in general. Aside from his uh, out of the ring issues, yeah. Um, character wise, he's very flat. In ring wise, he's very flat. It's just not a good time. No, and I think too, it's like Cole is a goddamn great wrestler. So him having to do a Velveteen Dream type match, which is pretty gimmicky with like a lot of entertainment spots versus wrestling spots, that really suffers at an empty arena type situation. It, it suffers there, and it's like Adam Cole can do both. 
he's so good at both that if you're not at yeah. that level and you like your whole act is like because of the fans then you know that maybe shouldn't do it <laughs> yeah no I totally agree and I think that we what this empty uh, empty arena situation has done is kind of illuminated some of the holes in other people's game plans or strategies or whatever or just personas and in-ring work it's I don't know why I'm treating it like it's real it's um kind of shown a light on some weaknesses but also there are some definite bright spots and so it's kind of some people are doing awful some people um are really bright shiny. spots like Tim Thatcher versus Matt Riddle last week holy shit yeah that was fucking awesome like they're doing great I think like, that was the Johnny best Gargano WWE fucking fantastic yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with Johnny and Candice right now. Um, what else? We had on NXT, they, they don't have the results, but I'm just going through what I saw. Um, Drake Maverick versus Kushida, Kira Tozawa. I thought Tozawa versus Phantasma was the match of the night. It was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it was really good. They gave it time. Um, they gave it a lot of time. If they would have just given the other matches this amount of time, I feel like this, this tournament could have been really special. If they- and it's not like... If they would have flipped it, so a couple weeks ago they had like those five minute matches, make that the first round. Next round, everybody's kind of getting the gear a little longer, seven, eight, nine minutes. Yep, yep, yep. Next one, you got about eleven, twelve. Then like last week, you get fucking like fifteen, twenty. You know, you get a couple sets, yep. and so like when you do that, then it's like, oh, these guys are really fighting for this. Like they understand what's on the line here. What? Who do you think's winning a block? Oh, I don't know. This is really tough because, like, I first off, like, the the match that happened tonight, Kushida versus Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick could say fluke victory after getting beat up for, like, 12 minutes. Like, oh, getting beat up like a job guy. This was very reminiscent yeah. of fucking, um, if you've ever watched 1-2-3-Kid, uh, Razor Ramon, the first one, where he's yeah. beating the shit out of him. Instead of the um, kind of disrespect that Razor did to one two three kid. It was more like Kushida was like begrudging, like telling Drake the ref, "You go check on him." Like he's done. Like, come on, stop it. And so then when he got pinned, he was just pissed off because he was like, "I was killing this guy, but I showed mercy." You know. I um the only thing like I've enjoyed this Drake Maverick storyline, mm-hmm. but I think the big thing for me is he hasn't done a single thing in the ring that's impressed me this entire tournament. He's he. Like, the thing is, is like he's fine in the ring. He's not awful. He's not like fucking amazing, especially comparatively to like a Kushida, who's like one of the best technical wrestlers they have, or yeah. like Jake Atlas, who's very exciting, very acrobatic, Dude, or even like Tazawa, who's like so hard hitting and fast and precise. That was that was my dream final was Tazawa versus Kushida. Yeah, especially because like that that would have never happened outside of it just because of the companies. They exactly, were in. and like once I realized that that could happen, I was like, dude, this is like the junior ace of Dragon Gate and the junior ace of fucking New Japan yeah. could possibly face off, and that would have been so cool. And I was in my head, I convinced myself myself that Tazawa was gonna win. I was like, they've been jobbing it out on Raw. He's been putting in work. They're gonna give this to him, and then they didn't, and I just felt really bad. I, f- I, I wish he won. I knew the moment they announced the B block with Phantasma, like, oh yeah, he's winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, for this whole thing, though, Kazawa's definitely one of my favorite. He's probably one of my top three wrestlers in the WWE, and that is going to fucking suck. It's going to be like being a Buffalo Bills fan. 
They like he's him. Gonna be like, s- fucking Heyman likes him, so he's fine. Yeah, I guess I just want to see him win. Yeah. And then it doesn't look like it's going to happen. No, um, no, no. Roddy versus Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis. All right. Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley. <laughs> um, I, I didn't watch the Roddy match. Uh, something else was on AEW. I did not friends. either. Oh, okay. So I watched what, that. Who did the best friends wrestle? Uh, not best versus Cassidy versus... Uh, oh, Ray Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to watch I that. I watched instead. that. That was nasty. That was really they, fun. Okay, so except the, we'll go over the AEW. ending was dumb as fuck. Oh uh, wait, uh, let's finish up uh, NXT real quick just with Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley. I thought it was good. Um, it was like building really nice. Um, I knew I'm in Charlotte with like twelve minutes that they had for it. Like it wasn't gonna do anything, so I was expecting Charlotte to run in to set up a a three dog night at the tape. So like I, my expectations were right where they needed to be. Because I just looked at the time, I looked at the history. They didn't really mention Charlotte too much on the show, and so I'm like, oh, of course, because they want to hit you with a big surprise. Like Charlotte's here. I thought that this match, the in-ring work, was just as good as Rhea Ripley's WrestleMania in-ring work. I thought that her and Io had a better flow and a better energy between them than her and Charlotte did. Yeah, I agree. Um. So even though I knew Charlotte was going to come in, I still got really fucking bummed when she did. <laughs> just because in my head, I'm like, you guys really can't do fucking anything else. Like, you're just going to do this again. And um, I just, I'm such a, I just fucking hate no finish matches, too. Well, then don't watch, we'll don't watch any American wrestling. Yeah, pretty much. Um, AEW or, opened or, up uh, with. Or AAA. Don't watch AAA. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Never watch AAA. <laughs> If you think you fucking hate WWE booking, fucking strap in. That's why I only watch Triple Mania. Um, what did AEW open with? Um, I think it was a Dark Order promo. Okay. So we had John Moxley versus 10. I saw the very ending of that. Um, I Okay, so here's a hot take for you. Brody Lee is real cold right now to me. Really? Yeah. And some of the other Wrestle Boys uh, brought that up. Like independently of me I didn't bring him up but everybody was kind of talking about that and I think there's a couple reasons number one I mean this is it's kind of hard to try to get over on this um in this time right now number two all like the weird little Vince promos and shots he does it seems like Vince is living rent free in his head like it seems like a lot more personal than like other things I'll say this he said that the character was developed by Cody. And Vince and Triple H have a fucking estate in Cody's head. Exactly. So I think that while I agree with you, I don't think it's so much symptomatic of Brody Lee as it is simply of Cody. I think it's of both because it, it like he like So cuz I know I know Brody Lee really enjoys cult figures cuz that's what he said he's totally the fuck out of cult figures. Yeah. So I think he appreciates that facet of it. But then Cody keeps forcing all this Vince shit into it. So think like it's a happy medium of Brody Lee gets to play his cult figure. And at the same time, he plays this sort of Vince role for fucking Cody And I as think well. like with like, it just seems like when Brody Lee's like doing it, like it, like I said, it just seems like a little extra personal. It's like, this is more than just trying to kind of poke fun. It's more so like he's mad. And again, like if it's like that Cody influence too, it makes sense because like they fucking have the Triple H Vince compounding Cody's head. That's just fucking free. I think one of the problems too is probably so 
I feel like when you're the head of a faction like that, right? Like the inner circle was never as weak as the rest of the Dark Order is either. Oh, right? no. <laughs> exactly. So I think that leading up to Double or Nothing, we probably would have gotten the Dark Order versus Hangman, Page, and Kenny because they were the number one team. And that probably would have continued. So I think that we would have had a very big feud with the Dark Order, at least maintaining some sort I don't of think they would have, or uh, control. I don't think they would have done Brody Lee yet versus Moxley. I think they would have. So who do you, who do you think the original plan was? I think originally be? it was probably going to be fucking Swagger. Like they would have stretched at double or nothing. They would have stretched it out more, but instead, like oh, I would have fucking hated it. I'm way happy we got Brody Lee then. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I felt like they like they could have stretched that out a lot more, but instead, it's like they had to change directions just because a lot of other people were gone, and so. Yeah, yeah, to kind of work with the had with like who you had, but I guess I just I think that if the rest of the Dark Order actually did something, Brody Lee would be a lot more of a threat because right now he just for his every bit as menacing he can be, he's also just a really bad fucking leader of a really shit stable. Yeah, because like I mean, Moxley just decimated Ten at the end, from what I saw. Yeah, the dude's chest was perforated and bleeding. Fucking killed him with that pile driver. Duh. Elevated DDT, the Dirty Deeds. And then, like, other than the, the fuck fucking reveal, it. like, it just felt very weak. Like, what was the reveal? I was I was flipping. No, the so. reveal of Brody Lee as the exalted one. Other than that, like, oh. the Dark Order started off weak. It, like, had a little yeah. bit of traction when, like, oh, who's the exalted one? And then it just kind of fell off. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's trying to make the most of what is arguably one of the more least popular acts in AEW. So I commend him for trying. I think that his character work is good. I just think that it's it's a hard role to do. Yeah. So Bray Wyatt. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, Matt, uh, Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander versus Dr. Britt Baker and Nyla Rose. Did you see this? No, I, just, I saw the ending. That's it. So Nyla was thrown into Britt and I think that she missed the spot she was supposed to land in Britt's lap and she kind of swerved to the left and just fucking crushed Britt's leg. And like you could see immediately because Britt was supposed to get flipped on and she's supposed to sell the face, right? And she gets thrown into and she immediately just grabs her fucking ankle. And I was like, oh man, that's a real... And she, um, Chris Statlander was trying to get her up and she could barely stand on her leg. She took the... She took the Chris Statlander's like Falcon Arrow, Michinoku Driver, and then she rolled out of the ring and she was did not come back. For Wasn't the rest seen of the again. Match. Then after, no, I, I did I'm, watch after the match and they went for the superplex. Um, and Nyla Rose had set up the table and it was pretty far, but then like you have Akarashita and Nyla Rose going for the superplex and it's Akarashita uh, trying to like suplex Nyla and they were like a half inch away from like fucking. Yes. Yeah, it's it really it's like Nyla and Nia both. It's um every single match they're in. It's like it's we can't really chalk it up to being green. I feel like so much as they're just every single match they're in, with the exception of very very few. There's dangerous moments. There's people getting fucking hurt, and there's just really sloppy in ring work in general. Yeah, I, I, so I feel I'm, like I'm really hoping that Hikaru Shida wins on Saturday because 
I can't think of anyone else that has even built up to take the belt off of Rose in any way. And she is on a different level than everyone else. Yeah, I she think. is. She's she's just like loads better, and it's very prevalent. Yeah, she moved here too. So let's give it to her. Um, MJF defeats Marco Stunt. Um, I watched part of this. I think. I caught the ending. It was pretty gnarly. Oh yeah, uh, Marco Stunt. Like I love like. Him working from underneath because that's all he can do. Um, because I mean, he's just tiny, so it's easy to it's an easy match to put together. But he's just really good at yeah. his job. I, I like him as like a small geek. Um, something I've noticed that I actually like that MJF does. I never thought I'd say that he uses a lot of old school terminology in his promos, like like just like he fucking said my ring rats today or something like oh, that. Yeah. Like, just old 80s dude, 90s guy terms. And I think it's funny because he gets heat with these terms and he sounds more so despicable. But all he's doing is talking exactly how the majority of all the stars talked in real life back in the day. That's true. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and then we had Orange Cassidy versus... Heel anyway, so... Also, yeah. homeboy... Just Roddy fucker. Piper wannabe motherfucker. He needs to fucking nah. lay off the spray tan. <laughs> Um, Orange Cassidy versus Ray Phoenix. We talked about this. I thought it was good up until the ending was just the classic stupid babyface bullshit. Kip Sabian sitting on a ladder and then he gets rolled up. Just dumb. Yeah. Um, also, um, the fucking dive that Phoenix did at the end was so stupid. And then the dive that Orange Cassidy did at the end was so stupid. What was this at post match when everyone came out? Yeah. Okay, so I didn't see that. I turned back to NXT after the match the, ended. So, like, Phoenix does, like, this fucking giant dive under a group of people. The reason I said it was stupid, not because, like, the dive was bad or, like, I understand you do these group spots to set up the group match. Um, you just fucking, like, you don't do, like, these big spots like this because, like, there's, like, ten people out on the outside and he does, like, this giant fucking, like, corkscrew moonsault and he hits him with his feet and he just, like, fucking plants on his back so hard. Because he almost fucking, like, he just jumped too short. Looked like he went straight up. And then... Ah, uh, so it's just, it's needlessly dangerous. Yeah, and then Cassidy fucking does, like, a, an assisted tope with Chuck and Trent. And he, like, bangs his leg. Like, they threw him too far, and he bangs his leg up against the fucking rail. And it's like, yo, that's how TK Orion or whatever oh. fucking broke his leg with that moonsault. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that yo. That sucked. It's, <laughs> cool it down for TV. Save it for the pape. <laughs> Um, anything else about AW NXT or any of the shows this week? Um, Matt Riddle's great. They're going to do a fucking shoot fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Riddle was only. asked. Tim Thatcher said, anytime, place." Matt Riddle said that it would be the Octagon. So, I imagine that we're going to get that on TV probably yes. before TakeOver. Yeah. Um, and, oh my God, too, the fucking Velveteen Dream elbow drop that was obviously taped. Oh, yeah. Um, did you see that? I thought that I'm so sick of those spots. They're real bad because you know that it's fake. It's like it's more fake to do these cut up things of like these bold moves like the air raid crash off the floor in the concrete, the elbow drop from the top to the outside concrete. Like, I know what you're doing. Like, it's so fucking obvious. Just please don't think I'm that stupid. Um, yeah. Anyway, you want to jump into the main event? Jump into the main event. All right, so tonight we have the Fantastics versus the Sheep hoard, Sheep Herders. Let's say the Sheep Hoarders. Sheep Herders from April 19th, 1986 at the Crockett Cup. 
First up, we got Bobby Fulton. Bobby Fulton, so, Tommy Rogers. God damn, these things are long. Um, you can, you know, you can skip, right? Yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to do the profiles tonight because we're already in an hour. And I just hey, everybody, the sheep herders later known to become as the fucking bushwhackers. They were death, exactly. like fucking deathmatch wrestlers, and like did Puerto yeah, Rico. Yeah, and Tommy Rogers was found dead in Honolulu. Yeah. In 2015, and the cause of his death was not released. And Bobby Fulton, like, they're just, like, some fucking Southern brothers. Bobby Fulton got diagnosed with cancer last year, and then Robert Gibson had a tweet out, I didn't get throat cancer, Bobby Fulton did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how did I already hear about, I don't know why I'm laughing about it, but that situation was just really funny, because Robert Gibson tweeted out, like, throat cancer, such a shame or something, and then everyone was like, oh, my God, are you okay? I didn't get throat cancer, Bobby Fulton did. I don't know if that he talks like that, but you know he does. Um, yeah. The, so the sheep herders started in 1964. And they were wrestling and in the fucking they, 90s. And oh, dude! So they fucking did. In 2018, the Bushwhackers reunited for one last tour of their native New Zealand. So 60, 70, 80, 90, 2000, 2010. So they did six decades. Can anyone else really contest with that besides maybe Flair? Gypsy Joe. Who the fuck is that? Did you watch The Dark Side of the Ring with New Jack? Oh, no. I need to see that one. Oh, he's, the old guy that, the he's the old guy that New Jack beat up. Oh. <laughs> um, A little bit of history about the match. The... Uh... The Sheep Herders and the Fantastics traded wins constantly throughout 1985, which led, Jesus, to this big match at the Crockett Cup. This was a quarterfinal match, and um, we'll talk about it after, but this is also the shortest match I think that we'll ever review. Oh, yeah. Um, so, holy shit, this starts off immediately. Bobby Fulton whips um, Butch. Fuck. God damn it. Oh, no. Bobby Fulton whips Luke Williams of the Sheep Herders into the ropes and hits a drop kick while Tommy Rogers works, works over Butch Miller in the corner. So it starts off immediately into a fight. Basically, the whole match is broken up with commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So it is a 14-minute match we only get to see eight minutes of. So the pacing and timing is all just a little bit off in that sense. Um, Tommy Rogers then whips Miller into a into a... Bobby Fulton drop kick. The two men high five being Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton. And they begin ta- taunting the sheep herders on the outside. Camera cut. Or I guess I should say commercial break. Yep. And now all the men are back in the ring. Butch Miller works off, works over Bobby Fulton and sends him into the corner on Luke Williams' fist. Fulton and Williams exchange jabs. And Williams continues to work over Fulton while Fulton gets in the corner and tries to fight back with some kicks. Fulton whips Williams and gets shoulder tackled. We then go into the drop down leapfrog, leapfrog sequence that ends with Fulton flipping Luke Williams and then hitting a big time drop kick and another drop kick and another drop kick. And now Tommy Rogers entered the match and guess what he hits? A fucking drop kick. It's another drop kick. Commercial break. Um, outside of drop kicks, I think there's really no wrestling moves done in this match. There's punches. So, yeah, but I'm saying like it's all brawl, brawl stuff. It is. It's all like fighting. Um, so Butch Miller works over Fulton in the side headlock, throws him out the ring. Miller tries tacking 
Fulton, but he hits another drop kick and jab after jab. Tommy Rogers and Luke Williams are now fighting on the outside near down Fulton and bounce off the guard rolls in what is looking like a realistic brawl. The flag bearer, you asked if it was Johnny Ace. His name is Jack Victory. Yeah, so this one was, yeah, so, I looked it up and it was Jack Victory, which I'm bummed about. Yeah, we thought it was Johnny Ace. It wasn't. He's too busy hanging out with the Bellas. So the flag bearer, Jack Victory, goes over and stomps on Fulton for the cheap he, heat. He, he is, Rogers he, goes he over. He is one of the flag bearers, though. So he is one of the flag bearers. So thank God he's not too busy with the Bellas. Rogers goes back um, to help Fulton and even yells out, Come on, referee, come on! Commercial break. <laughs> Fulton is now on the ground kicking Luke Williams as Rogers comes in to check Butch Miller, who's about to come into the ring. I like it in these old tag matches when the other guy they don't do that so much in these new like new tag matches, I feel like, yeah. where one guy's in the middle of the ring and then you'll come in and you'll stand in your corner. You won't go and you just stand there until the other guy gets back on the fucking apron. I love that level of intimidation. Yeah. And sort of just like being there for like solidarity. Um so Fulton's on the ground kicking Luke Williams as Rogers comes in to check uh, Butch Miller. Fulton is locked in a side headlock that Luke Williams appears to be biting him with. Fulton is then whipped to the ropes to hit the sheep herder's flag, but reverses the move and downs Luke Williams with a head or headshot to the flag. Fulton now crawls back to his corner to the tag, and the crowd is hot. The tension is palpable. Fulton tags in Tommy Rogers, who leaps over the ropes and hits a big middle elbow drop. Tommy Rogers now bites the head of Luke Williams, who is bleeding big time. All four men start bleeding in the match at this point. Tommy Rogers goes back to the middle rope, another diving forearm flat or fist, whatever you prefer to call it. Tommy Rogers now punches it down Luke Williams while Butch Miller hits him off. Butch Miller climbs out the ring. Luke Williams picks up Tommy Rogers. Fulton is bleeding on the outside as well as Butch Miller attacks him. Tommy Rogers hits jab after jab, very accentuated, almost rock-like jabs. Um, I was really impressed by Tommy Rogers' in-ring work the most in this match, I think. Um, Also, like, those fucking, like, those were, like, the big high spots were those fucking giant, um, like, top rope punches. Yeah, exactly. Those were the big ones. That's crazy. And now it's, like, now we just have people doing 630s off of the top rope on the outside tables. Um, Yeah, so accentuated jabs. The flag bearer once again tries to attack. Butch Miller catches Fulton in the back as he pursues the flag bearer. The flag bearer. Tommy Rogers stands above. (laughs) Tommy Rogers stands above Luke Williams in the corners and land punches. Butch Miller now has the flagpole and hits Tommy Rogers in the small of the back with it. Fulton is an absolute bloody mess on the outside. Luke Williams holds Tommy Rogers as Butch Miller once again hits him with the pole. Butch Miller goes again, but Fulton grabs his feet from the outside and now Tommy Rogers has the pole, smashes BM in the fucking head with it, like just nails him with this pipe. Um, all four men are bleeding. The ref is still down. Tommy Rogers now hits the f- uh, hits Jack Victory in the head. Uh, with it is Luke Williams and Tommy Rogers fight over the pole. And now the bell starts ringing wildly as Lady Manzine helps Jack Victory up. And the announcer tells the audience that all four men have been disqualified as they continue to viciously brawl. Yep. God damn it. It's, I wrote, is it a 90, 1980s five-star match if it doesn't end in a double countout or disqualification? <laughs> no. Every, nobody it's, nobody uh, wants to take the, take the L. Ain't doing the job. Yeah, it doesn't work for me or my character. <laughs> and this was only the quarterfinals. God damn it. Doesn't. It's just, I found this match objectively hard to get into. 
with the short length, the commercial breaks. It was like anytime there started to be a rhythm of sorts, we'd lose it. So this is probably the worst match we've watched so far. Yeah, I mean, just like um, these. And I, I'm saying that I had very low expectations going, and I think it met those low expectations. The, like, just the brawling nature of it. It's a cool brawl, but I would not give this five stars. No. And um, so I, I said, you know, I thought maybe if I had watched the rest of the Crockett Cup, this would have been more impactful because I think like that Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid match that we watched in the first episode, that one was a lot better because I watched all the other matches in the feud. Yeah. So maybe if I watched some other matches, this would have a lot more heat to it. But on its own, it just didn't stand out at all. I honestly have zero ideas to why or how this is a five-star match. I would love to hear Dave's thoughts on it. So I actually Googled. First, I tried to find an old archive newsletter, but they only go back to the 1988 Crockett Cup. But that T. Lava... 86 on Twitter tweeted, just finished watching the Sheep Herders versus the Fantastics from Crockett Cup 86. I don't see how this match got five stars. Can you explain, Dave? And Dave quote tweeted this. This was um, last year in like December or November that he said it. So very recent. And all he said was, they did the match in 1986, not 2019. And that's all. Even then, like like when you watch like those Barry Windham Ric Flair matches, these are like... It's so different. It's worlds apart. And like... I don't mind yep. a good brawl. This is a brawl. This is like a three-star brawl. I don't know. That's just me. I totally agree. Well, so I don't think you got to see it, but the Jinichiro Tenryu Jumbo Saruta versus Kunia, uh, or, uh, versus uh, Ricky Choshu and um, Yoshiaki, I believe. Yoshihashi? That match was a fucking brawl. Yeah, Yoshihashi. Tacos. Um... That match was a fucking brawl, but it was also 27 minutes. And it's hard for me to believe that that is on the same level as this. Um, so anything else in regards to the sort of fart of a main event this week? No. I mean, it, it was, like, it's a fun brawl. And even, like, if you go back and kind of follow their history of, like, that feud, that even then, like, you put it into, like, a super hot feud and, like, Organo and Champa did that. Even back then, if you look at it, like, through some, like, backwards eyes... Uh, I wouldn't hit yeah. I mean, Rick Flair and Barry Windham go do that. That's not five stars. Yeah, the next match actually is another Rick Flair Barry Windham. Yeah, so that. we'll be jumping right back into it. Um, all right, finally, double or nothing preview. I'm just gonna go through and you tell me who you think's gonna win. Okay. And anything else you wanna tell me. Cody with Arn Anderson and Brandy Rhodes versus Lance Archer with Jake Roberts for the inaugural AAW TNT championship. Archer should win, Cody will win. You really think Cody will win? Yes. I'll be so fucking bummed if Cody wins this. Um, MJF with Wardlow versus Jungle Boy. MJF's probably going to win. That's what I thought. John Moxley versus Mr. Brody Lee for this singles match for the AW World Championship. It sucks that they're doing this match right now because it's going to kill Brody Lee. Then effectively then kills the Dark Order even more dead than it is. You don't fucking beat Moxley yet. No, and um, I don't think that you can really beat any of these world champions until we get crowds back at least. I don't know. I just There's something that feels so criminal to me about having someone's title reign exclusively in the empty arena era. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like if you're – it's just like you got to hold them over, you know? Um, 
Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida and a no DQ, no count out match for the AEW Women's World Championship. I think that Hikaru Shida needs to win this. I feel like she needs to win this too because there's really no one else that could beat Nyla Rose except for Riho, and they're not bringing her back right now for yeah, sure. She can't. So, yeah. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Chris Statlander. See, this is why another reason why Hikaru Shida needs to win. Because then Britt Baker wins, and then that's what you get. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Private Party versus Best Friends to determine the number one contender for the AW World Tag Team Championship. Best Friends has been getting built up, so I think they're winning. Yeah, I was um, kind of surprised that it was Private Party that was also in this, but I don't watch Dark, so oh well. But yeah, I hope the Best Friends win. I love them, so we'll see. Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears, which was announced tonight. Oh, who fucking cares? Yep. Um, Matt Hardy and Adam Page, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks versus the Inner Circle in a stadium stampede match. It'll be a fun fucking wild brawl. Yeah, I'm excited to see like what they use, because I like that they're using the golf carts so they can cover a lot more space and shit. And then finally... Darby Allen versus Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and one wrestler, TBD, and the Casino Ladder match for a future AEW World Championship match. So who do you think is going to win, and who, <laughs> who do you think is the final entrant? I have no idea on both. I would say it's going to be Phoenix or Darby Allen. I don't really see anyone else getting that win. You could go with the Scorpio Sky, but I just don't see it. Or the TBD, I feel like you're looking at Brian Cage. I just don't remember the timeline of his healing. But I remember, like, he was at that GCW show in L.A. like last September. And that's when he was first hurt. So I feel like he might be okay now. So you're looking at Brian Cage, Chris Hero, Drew Gulak, Anthony Agogo, it could be. Right, the box that the they UK. signed. Okay, so that's a no on him. But I feel like those are the only three big ones that they could really debut and right like, now. Well, like Gulak and Hero would be kind of cool. Like that's not a big big reveal. Yeah, I think that if you brought back Chris Hero, so I think bringing back Chris Hero is bigger than debuting Cassius Ono, right? So I feel like having Chris Hero back would be a huge but, pop. But, but, because like he's kind of back in the world where he belongs. But it's not. The world where he belongs is the VFW Hall. He's an independent wrestler. <laughs> no, but it's because, like, true. like, Moxley is coming off of fucking WWE, The Shield. Like, a lot of people got into wrestling from The Shield. So that's kind of a big deal. Former world champion. Yeah. Like, Chris Hero's known in independent wrestling. But, like, he's not as known as some of these other guys. Like, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager. He's a known fucker, you know? Is there anyone else it could be? I mean, I don't know. This, this is what makes it tough. I was really surprised that someone like, honestly, Frankie Kazarian got into this over a Joey Janela. Yeah, that's true. Because this seems exactly like the kind of fuck fest that's catered to Joey Janela. Yeah, I feel like they just wanted to get so I feel SCU like, on the show. Yeah, it's just, I don't really see the point in it, but no, oh well. Either. Um, anything else for Double or Nothing? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just excited to shit on TV. 
Yeah, I'm very excited to watch it. So next week, we'll be back with another episode with uh, coverage of Double or Nothing, SmackDown, Raw, AEW, Dynamite, NXT, if anything happens in Japan, as well as Ric Flair versus Barry Windham 2. Number 2. I want to see how long that match is real quick. How fucking long is it? Um, Probably. Because the last one was really 42 minutes. The Ric Flair NWA title match in the 80s, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Chigusa Nagoya versus Linus Asuka, a tag match. No, this one's only 39 minutes. Oh, only 39. Well, that's with entrances and the ending, so maybe like 30 minutes. And then we got the final Barry Windham Ric Flair match, too, so that'll be fun. Um, all right. I love you, brother. I love you, man. Thanks for doing this with me. It's always fun. Yeah. I'm back, motherfuckers. He's back, motherfuckers. Yeah, he'd talk all about right. people selling you the wanna, and... <laughs> You want to hit him with the three words they love to hear? Hi, everyone. Suck your own. Suck your own, dickholes. All right. No, that's we love you all. Thank you no, for listening. No, eat shit. I don't love any of y'all. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Later. Love you.